and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Okay, here we go. Ready, steady. Emma Sterling, I am so excited to hear your story today. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, been a few months since we first met and it's a delight to, to come on. Yeah, fantastic. So let's tell everybody at first what it is that you do. Oh, God, where do we I start? Know. <laughs> where are you going to start? <laughs> um, okay, so um, I, my husband and I are now uh, running a, uh, a tech platform for children in out-of-home care called Caring Life. And, Brilliant. Um, Caring Life is designed to provide children and young people who are in foster, kinship and residential care with all of their uh, memories and important documents from their life. And um, this got going when we when we became foster parents five years ago. Right. And we asked the somewhat crazy question of what do we do with their life story work, uh, expecting that there would be a digital platform for it and, and we were told to put uh, their photos and videos and school reports and birth certificates, all the important things for them on a USB stick or a scrapbook. Oh, my yeah. God. So is yes. this happening to foster kids everywhere? Everywhere, around the world. So Wow. Um, yes. It's just such yeah. a simple solution and yet to think that those kids, and I think you've told me, well, tell everybody how often they move because that's something that really shocked me. Uh, so on average, a child moves seven times uh, during their time in care, um, but that can blow out to a lot more. There's, you know, some children have, you know, between 20 to 30 placements and, and that can be for a variety of reasons. That might be, you know, that there's an emergency placement when they're first taken out of their birth family's home. Uh, there might be court proceedings. There might be, you know, transitions, you know, um, from, you know, short-term to longer-term care. So hard for the kids, though, like unbelievable that they have to move that many times. It's it's very, very traumatising for kids and yeah. it's um, something which as a result of that trauma, uh, their memories are often not terrific. Uh, there's something, uh, you know, that, that, that's essentially grey memory um, and they they have very overgeneralised memories. So they, they might remember a period of time as either good or bad, but they can't actually remember you know the detail specific, yeah specific memories so it's super important you know for them to have a sense of identity and a sense of narrative about their life and, and what's actually happened because many kids leave care and they actually don't have any photos or videos from or, or, or documents from their time in care because a placement might stop and it will stop very quickly a court order might be put in place for example and they might be returned to their birth families um, and you know, there's just not time for all of the, that content yeah. to be given to them. So, you know, we are um, parents now to two amazing young teens um, who have been with us now for a few years and uh, a little girl when she was nine came to us and, and she had her jammies, a toothbrush and a teddy bear and that was it. Uh, she didn't end up having any wow. So it was, it's a really, really traumatising experience for the kids um, and, and to not have sort of any sense of, of narrative and cohesive kind of life story. And sort of happy memories, I guess, because often in photos we all smile and it'll have mm. photos of them playing and they, th- those little things that they forget. Yeah, and it might be something like, you know, silly TikTok dances or selfies and the funny oh. silly you know, filtered selfies that everyone does. They've got none of that. Um, but there's, you know, some really terrible stories as well about, you know, people who've got nothing uh, in terms of, you know, the carers might not have anything and so they've got to do a school project, for example, doing, you know, this is how I looked when I was a baby versus now. And, we've and they had, haven't got that. They haven't got that. And we've had, you know, uh, foster parents say, I've Googled photos that look like my child just so that I can Stop do the school it. project. So oh, it's, that's it's, just so heartbreaking. 
it's a really, really challenging issue um, and something that we couldn't quite believe hadn't been properly resolved. Um, yeah. I mean, my question when we were literally when we were doing training to become foster parents was, well, what do we do with life story work? And my literal expectation was that there was a system. And when they said, well, you put it in a scrapbook or a USB stick, um, understanding that many children in care are under five. So, of course, you know, you're moving babies around. Um, and, of course, these, these children don't have the capacity to retain, you know, a USB stick. Um, no. And, and so I said, is there not a moderated Dropbox for children in out-of-home care? And I was literally visualising how it would work right how in that moment. How simple it would be. Yeah, such a simple yeah. solution and yet and make I, it such a dramatic change. Yeah, and, and also allow social workers, you know, to see the content in real yeah. time, understand the placement, understand what's happening with these children in a, in a far more, um, you know, human way rather than sort of understanding them as case notes, you know. So I think the social workers are having a much better um insight and, and, and can, you know, really understand these kids a lot better as well. I mean, these are quite complex children in many cases, you know, uh, by, the, by the mere fact that you've been you know, removed from your birth family, you are suffering, you know, a degree of trauma. Um, you know, the, the, the lead yeah. up to that moment, I mean, you know, babies perhaps not quite to the same degree, but, you know, they still need to understand what's happened as they get older. They still need to have that sense of narrative and understanding. And, yeah, know, and baby uh, photos and things like all those little things that we all take for granted that they may not have if, if, mm. if you hadn't come up with this solution. Mm, mm. Well, it, it blows my mind. We've just returned actually from the UK where we did the official launch over there and, and there was a five-day-old little boy uh, at the launch and he, you know, had a Caring Life account set up for him and, you know, that's that's amazing to me to see that in real time and to know yeah. the impact that this is happening from a young age as opposed to what's been up until this point where, well, life story work, you know, we know it's important but we don't have a solution and so, you know, quite often these fires will be kept by the social workers, you know, literally in a filing cabinet or, you know, once children have left care in the past, they've asked for a freedom of information request and they'll get a whole bunch of redacted information, usually Ugh. quite negative, about what's happened to them, why they were in care, you know, perhaps behavioural issues that have come up during their time in care, but zero positive memories, zero kind of, you know, fun, happy moments and understanding yeah. their life. So, you know, we, we know that it's super important. We saw it as sort of the box under the bed, but we now know from a lot of our conversations that it has some amazing therapeutic impacts as well um, and the, the impact on mental health. And we know that, you know, children that have got access to positive specific memories um, are more likely to have better emotional regulation and less likely to develop depression as, as teenagers. So it's it's a really important um, project. It is. And, um, you know, we're, we're incredibly pleased that, you know, it, we've got it now in Australia and it's it's in the UK now and, and we're also, you know, having some really great conversations conversations with state governments in the US. So um, we, we're very hopeful that it can have, you know, broad impact. Yeah, well, it, yeah. I'm sure it is already, but it's just such a simple solution. I can't see why every country wouldn't adopt it. So, And mm. also then as people move around, you know, they can access it from wherever they are. So That's right. it's beautiful. But, Emma, this is not the only thing that you do <laughs> as the true entrepreneurial woman. Tell everybody else about the other two things you're doing. Oh, well, so we, we, we do a variety of things. So, um, you know, we've been in conference management for a long time um, and run conferences. Right. And then um, – you know, when, when COVID hit, we sort of thought, well, you know, we can keep doing conferences, which was involved in sort of climate change and, and so forth and environmental sustainability, you know, or do we take this time to, to pause and, and have a look at what we want to do next? And so um, during the pandemic, we um, actually published a book. Um, <laughs> called- <laughs> I didn't even know yeah. about that one. <laughs> well, that, this is this is an amazing process for us. Uh, we published a book called Men Real Conversations and Oh, wonderful. We had this crazy notion that we could reach out to celebrity men and ask them to talk about their feelings and all the things that men don't necessarily want to talk about in terms of vulnerability, in terms of, you know, we asked them questions about, you know, what is your favourite failure and and those sorts of things. And, yeah, there was this, you know, bizarre notion that 
we could ask all of these um, celebrity men. And I think because we had such audacity, uh, we got a lot of yeses. So we yeah. had the, da- the Dalai Lama talking about it. We Stop had- it. We did. No. We did. We did. We did. We did. We did. <laughs> so when you said celebrity men, I was thinking of <laughs> AFL stars, <laughs> which, you know, which are kind of Z-level um, celebs in my brain. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so who did you get? And Dalai Lama, who else? Oh, we got Deepak Chopra. We got oh yeah. We got we got Mick Fanning. We got Wim Hof, who I'm sure you know. Um, wow. We, we we got um, Brad Keselowski, who's a NASCAR champion. Um, we we got some amazing people. Yeah, um, you did. So, That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, we were very close to getting The Rock actually, and, and it was you know, The was, Rock. Yeah, but no, I that would amazing. But, but you know, I guess. They, they want to give back. I mean, one of the things that I've learned from reaching out to high-profile women is when you get to the top, you do want to give back. And so mm. really a lot of people don't ask, but the reality is that the answer will be yes from a lot of them. Yes. Um, so I love that you've done that. that is, I didn't even know you did that, so tell them that. <laughs> don't you also have an agency and you've also got some other software that's coming out soon? Yeah, so um, we've got <laughs> – <laughs> so many things that we're involved. I know, I can't keep up with you. I know. So we've got, um, there's something which is just about to be launched, which is called Pleased, um, and it is designed to overcome a problem that most people don't even know exists yet. And the problem is, is huge new privacy regulations, digital privacy regulations that are coming in around the world and already are in Europe and the UK um, and, and are also uh, just about to be enacted in, in the US. So California, it, it comes into play on uh, in January next year. Wow, uh, so and, another and, global solution. Yeah, yeah. So um, then there, we've got some different other issues where cookies are, are being phased out. So cookies are only used by Chrome now, Google Chrome. Um, right. No other, no other browsers actually actively use cookies, but um, Chrome and Google are phasing out cookies by the end of next year. Can you, can you just explain to anybody who's a bit of a mm. tech numpy like I am what, <laughs> what cookies actually do? I mean, I see them all the time going, will you accept cookies? And yes. if I don't, then... And I kicked out of the site, so I can't sure. get into it. So I'm obviously sure. still on Chrome. But yes. what do cookies actually do? So cookies are what tracks you across the internet. So if uh-huh. you go on to a, say you go onto Nike and you're looking at a pair of shoes and then you might go onto another website and all of a sudden those shoes are being advertised to you, that's yep. cookies. Right. So co- cookies are designed to understand uh, customers. And so they're used to, so if you accept cookies, you, the, what you're allowing is for that site to actually track you across where you're going on the internet. So it's essentially snooping. Wow. So I always thought it was just within that website. No. I hadn't no, realised that that meant I was giving them yes, <laughs> approval to follow me around. Yes. I mean, this is how Facebook has managed to develop yeah. its, its, its very accurate profiling of customers. God, I wonder what they're going to do when this comes in then. Well, they've also got additional problems. Um, they've got something. So Apple and, and Android have both launched uh, sort of something that's called app tracking transparency guidelines, which means that you have to opt in to be tracked across apps on your phone and in doing that obviously most people don't want to be tracked they're not not opting in and it's caused um, Facebook to decrease its revenue forecast by $10 billion over the next Good year God. because it is going to dramatically impact their advertising. It's also uh, apparently one of the reasons that Snapchat has had a sort of fall off the cliff in, the, in its share price because they no longer can uh, can track you across your apps. So only 4% of users are actually choosing to opt in. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Even though every time I play a game, it pops up and says, will you support us? We need your help to, you know, allow us to track you so that we can do our advertising. It's like, no bloody way. (laughs) Absolutely. And so we've got all of these things. We've got cookies. We've got the new privacy regulations. That's all going to stop. It is. And one of the the, the key things about all of the privacy um, legislation and including, you know, there's quite different legislation sort of in different states in the US, but there's, you know, one GDPR which covers the whole of Europe and there's also the English version now of the GDPR uh, means that you have to ask your customers directly for their consent to use their data. 
Uh, you Good. can't you can't just use someone's data um, for for for, the, for your own reasons. You must and and they have to have control over that data. So they have to be able to opt out at any time. So we've got this huge problem that's looming. And everyone I talk to, we talk. I've talked to so many people, both sort of in you know. You know, the financial sectors, in 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 HR, and but also um, digital marketers as well, and saying, "Are you aware that this is happening?" And everyone's like, "No." It's like, "Well, okay, then we've got sort of a couple of different ways." So if if someone goes onto your website and is looking around, then you can still tra- track that data. That will still be legal. That's something that's called first party data. Right. However, if you want to then be able to truly understand your customers and to be able to do it legally and compliantly, you're going to need to do something something called zero-party data, which is when you talk directly to your customers, you ask them questions, they give you their preferences, they know, you know, the context, they they understand the value exchange and why they're giving you their data. And then that's called zero-party data. And you own that data. You've got the rights to use that data. That is fully compliant. And so what we're building is the engine that allows you to have those discussions with your customers and to do it in a completely compliant way and, and, and it's very fun and, and sort of gamified for the customers so that you can ask any questions that you want, you know, so long as it's allowing for a, you know, a, a, you know, a value exchange um, and then that data is yours. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just it sounds so much better, really, but I can imagine it's going to completely upturn the industry. Well, anyone who's online, I guess, really. Yeah, it really will. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, they won't be aware, particularly people who are using, you have businesses that work internationally and globally, they won't be aware of all of the various legislation that they have to comply with um, to ensure, you know, I mean, the GDPR, if, if you go to the UK now, you live in the UK, every time you try to search for something on Google, every time you go onto a website, you literally have to say yes to the cookie preferences. It's it's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's very legislated. They, they take privacy very seriously. And that's going to be sort of the rest of the world too until cookies actually sort of go the way of all things. Um you know, Google was planning to uh, phase them out this year, but yep. then found that they couldn't find a solution which was going to allow for continued, you know, advertising and personalization. Which so, is does that mean important. your solution might be something that they could use? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> They were looking at ways in which to, you know, do, do we do anonymized, you know, aggregated data that they were calling flock um, and then have realized actually, no, that's not going to provide the same level of, of personalization, you know, because we've got this kind of juxtaposition. We've got people really want a personalized experience online. They, they want, you know, the brands to know what they like and, and to not have to, you know, um, go through just, everything. Yeah. But they also want to have privacy or privacy is going to be a requirement under this legislation, but they also want to, to have control over their data. And that's something that we're really kind of keen to, to look at is, you know, how do we give customers optimal data control, you know, to actually say, okay, you know what, I'm prepared to give you actually quite specific information because I trust you as a brand. But if you let me down and you don't use I'll cancel data, it. I'll just cancel you. But but, Emma, is this a little bit of uh, the horse has bolted and then they're trying to shut the gate? Like our data is all out there anyway. What's going to happen to that is they're not going to be able to use it. Yeah, it's very inaccurate. That's one of the real problems with a lot of data. I don't know if you've been on to booking.com and had a look around and maybe book something on booking.com and you'll take the trip and, you know, six weeks later you'll be getting recommendations about your trip to Morocco after you've already taken the trip. So that's called data latency and that's a real issue um, because, you know, a lot of third-party data is kind of, it's it's assumed data. You haven't actually asked the question. Right. Um, So, you know, it's it's kind of gathering lots of information from what you're doing online. Um, But, again, you know, it's kind of, again, it's, it's, it's probably snooping. Um, yeah, that's you know. probably the non-technical term that we all understand. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it, it is a level of snooping that, um, you know, 
that, that we as customers go. don't want no. uh, and, and, and from, a, from a legislative basis is not actually allowed anymore. But, again, we're kind of everyone's thinking, oh, God, you know, like well, those who understand it are thinking, oh, God, what's happening next? And those who don't, aren't aware of it are sort of, you know, blissful in their ignorance until yeah. all of a sudden they, they can't use, you know, targeted advertising anymore. They can't reach their, you know, their, their um you know, target audience in the same way. So it's, it's going to spawn a whole lot of new industries. It really is. It is. It yeah. is. Um, but uh, one of the, the critical things right now, one of the amazing things is the, you know, there's, there are some agencies that are doing some interesting work in zero party data and, you know, American airlines has done a few pilot programs as well as um, you know, um, companies like Starbucks and people are really happy to give you information about themselves. So long as they feel as though that information is relevant to the company and yeah. that it's going to give them. So, you know, if you Starbucks said, well, what's your favorite Coffee. Uh, coffee, then, okay, well, that's really. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give you that information because if that makes my life easier when I come to Starbucks and you know me or, you know, that, then, that, then, that's a, then that's a good value exchange. So, yeah, that's, um, that's sort of where. Wow. Head, yeah. So try well, to. You, you and your <laughs> husband have been extremely busy. <laughs> <laughs> we have. We have, although I felt like in the pandemic, you know, like I just, I'm one of those people who, who just loves progress and movement and it really felt for a long time, you know, like is anything going to open back up and, well, you know, yeah, so- I think we all felt that, but look at what you did while you were locked down. And I think, <laughs> you know, we look at it, I started She's the Boss in the lockdowns as well. It's the opportunities come and innovation happens at times like that. But anyway, yeah. Emma, I want to hear about your life story. Oh, um, and I'm sure our listeners do too. And I have yeah. had a long lunch with you once where you told me some of it and it sounds amazing. So let's start off with where were you, where did you grow up and what size family and what did your parents do? Okay, so um, <laughs> I, I haven't really moved too far from my roots. I've grown up in Bayside in Melbourne uh, my entire life. Right. I'm not too far around um, the corner from where I actually grew up. And then, <laughs> wow. um, yeah, and then um, so um, I am the eldest of four children. I have three younger brothers. Oh, my God, uh, you're the same as me. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. It's, I, I have three younger brothers, all very successful entrepreneurs, and me. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, I, uh, I, I always wanted a system, but never yes, got one. Same. Yeah, really, really felt gimped in that. Um, and then um, my parents um, ran a, a company, which would you believe was involved in conferences and publishing and technology and all you that really stuff. You really didn't so move far, did you? <laughs> I really didn't. I really didn't. And um, But I always had this really overwhelming sense from a very young age. And I can remember, you know, being in a theatre when I was about nine and just sitting there stressing, going, I'm wasting two hours of my life. Like, Stop. You know, no, I dead set <laughs> at, nine. at nine. At nine. I, I, had this, I, I used to play the violin when I was younger and I had this thing I was going to be the world's youngest classical violinist, you know, sort of celebrity violinist, and then I wanted to be the world's youngest best-selling author. I remember I had plans for a hotel which had the designs of the plans and the uniforms for the staff. <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I, design, I designed a surf brand when I was, I think, about 12. Oh, my God. So uh, entrepreneurialism, if, there's, if for, that's such a word, was absolutely running through your blood from an early age. I had this huge sense that I was running out of time from a really young age, like this, this kind of, you know, being almost chased by this belief that I can do something at a big scale, but what does that look like? And um, so, yeah. So did, uh, did you like school? Were you good at school or was it was all just too school. boring? Yeah, no, I was good at school. I think I was, I was one of those inherently good kids like I yeah. just wanted to be good the to idea. please everyone I, yeah. I think that's I think I think that's an oldest child thing as well and particularly if you're a girl I don't know why but I was such a I was a bit of a goody two-shoes too a thousand percent a thousand percent I always just wanted to please mum and dad you know um it was just super important to me for, you know that um that I'd, I'd be good. And right. um, I, I can remember watching The Sound of Music at a young age and they were so good. And I said to mum and dad, I want you to be as strict 
as the, <laughs> as the parents in the sound of music and, you know, you force me to, to practice music one hour a day before. I mean, silly, silly stuff, which is the funny thing is, is the way I turned out was a total black sheep and ending up just going, I could never work for anyone. That's a really so ever so you issue. never because I was going to say what did you do when you finished school? Well, I did go and um, work for for mum and dad's company. I, I found right. they were they were working into things that were really interesting. They had a wildlife magazine which I just loved. And this was before the age of digital photography. This was sort of late nineties, and right. it was so exciting to me because we'd have these amazing photographers from around the world sending in their you know transparencies, which is what they were called back then, and you would see this most unfiltered raw shots and we would have you know this amazing guy who now is a embedded um, photographer for National Geographic called Jason Edwards and he just would send through these miraculous you know sets of photos and would be you know and articles and so forth and and I just loved it I was obsessed with environmentalism I was obsessed with sustainability I was I was doing that at university I was um you know, I was, a, I was very um, sure of myself in this space because we would also, um, you know, I was writing uh, sort of this is again prior to emails and so forth, journals on environmental sustainability wow. um, for, for business. So it was called Environment Business um, and that would provide, you know, sort of people in, you know, ecologically sustainable development back, you know, in the early 2000s with their with their updates, um, which would go out monthly, and and um, so yeah, really focused on that side of things, on the on the legislation and, and the impact, and and you know, so I was I was deeply involved in that, um, and also quite obsessed with sort of things like indigenous rights and. and, and Oh well, all very worthy things to be obsessed with. So what? Yeah. So what happened after? How long did you work for your parents for? So on and off, I worked with them for about just over ten years. Oh wow! Um, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, the business was sold when I was thirty-one. Right. Um, and what yeah. did you do then? And then I just thought, well. I decided to go up and, and, and do what I knew how to do uh, pretty well at that stage, which was um, so one of the things that, that Dad had built up a part of the business was a jobs um, jobs board section, so design okay. very focused for, you know, people in local government, people in environment, people um, in, in um, research, for example. So uh, instead of it being sort of a generalised seat board, it was designed as being, you know, really specific and, and targeted and, and having, you know, a big subscribe base in each section. Right. And they get week, weekly newsletters and so forth, and and but they, it was just jobs, and I would also been doing these, you know, weekly, you know, kind of um, news and conference bulletins for the, those same people, right. um, which was really successful. So um, we, we would have a lot. So of did you take that over from your dad, or did well, you build no, a new one? That was, that was sold, and so we. Yeah, I wonder. A, a, a friend of mine and I actually built a competitive. Uh, product, <laughs> would you believe? Um, and you know, set that up, and, and we worked on that for a few years. Um, my husband and I uh, had just met as we were building that product, and so he came and. Oh no and no no! I love it. So I love a little bit of a human story. So just tell yes. me where did how and where did you meet? Oh God! Well, my mum told me I was never going to be a meet a nice guy at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably all of our mothers told us that at some yeah. stage. Yeah, and, and would you believe it was when when we were at a bar? It was a nice bar. It was a spice market. Bar. I know our parents didn't know. Yeah, they had no idea, did they? At the Grand Hyatt in Melbourne, and um, I was there for a friend's goodbye, and Anthony was there with with a friend of his, and and we met that night, and um, we've been together now. Sparks flew, well, and then he is, and he's quite entrepreneurial as well, is he? He is. Yes, yes. Perfect. He's been very much part of you know we've worked together as part of this journey and it's been an amazing it has been an amazing journey we just kind of come back it it absolutely <laughs> sounds it okay so uh you and your friend were running the jobs board yes. you've met anthony yes. what happened to end that business or what happened uh, with that business um so i 
I, th- I think it's probably one of those stories on why not to necessarily go into business with friends. Uh, well, that's it, kind of, uh, yeah, good story to tell because I've been yeah. burnt in that way as well. And, yeah. you know, they always say separate friends and business. But on the other hand, if it works, it can, can be brilliant. Fun. So, But yeah. you're taking a big risk. So you how did it work for you? Um, I, I, I guess I guess in a word it was it was um, – I guess there was a conflict in, in our approach um, yep. and and I I didn't feel as though there was any long-term ability for, for the business to work with us both running it. Yeah. Um, so the option that, this was sort of a couple of years after we started, the option was to sell her, um, you know, my 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 fifty yeah, percent right. business, and and to sort of and to make an exit, um, so that we could, you know, so she could continue running it, and and I could look at different options after that. Yeah, and and I guess the question I'd like to ask is, did you have that as an agreement in place before things went a bit pear shaped? No, I think we were young and very um, naive. naive. I mean, we all we all think that nothing's yeah. going to go wrong in the early days, and and you often need an experience like that to then go. If I ever do it again, I will have that contract in place. So was it a bit 100%. awkward to to work out? How to extricate yourself? It was. It was. I. 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 I you know, with all due respect to to her, and and you know, she, she, um, you know, she, she, she dropped the, the contracts and so forth for the exit. And I mean, we haven't maintained our friendship. Um, yeah. We've met, we knew each other from high school, and and it's you know, it's a it's sad such a pity. Yeah. A, yeah. What what was you know a really good friendship. Um. So you know, I can only say that I. You know, I Wish you all the best ever since. Yes, it, and you did your best at the time, yeah. and it's time to move on. Absolutely. So, so, what came next? So, well, it was a little bit of an interesting kind of period of my life where I went, okay, I'm going to do to just try to see what I'm capable of. Um, so, we tried a couple of different things. So, one of the things that we were running was honeymoons. Oh, um, right. Which, yes. So I, I love thought, it. Every, no, time, every time you say something, there's another sharp turn. <laughs> Honeymoons now. Honey, yes. So one of the things, what I'm actually good at, like, I, you know, the one thing I can, I know I'm really good at is seeing what's not there. And I was sitting right. there, and this is sort of, you know, I've been thinking about it for a few years and I was like, there's all these wedding magazines, but there's no honeymoons magazines. Why? And of course the concept of kind of hard, glossy magazines changed significantly and, and sort of was on the way out. Um, had I been a bit, you know, maybe, you know, 10 years earlier on it, I think, you know, it would have worked very well because yeah. you know, I was still very obsessed with the glossy magazine. But a great idea because that gets you to, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know what it's like in magazines, you have to go and review these places. And then they also court you, don't they, and say, come to our resort and do a review. So oh, did you have a nice couple of years at first? Oh, you, you me too well. <laughs> I always thought to work in travel or food and wine would both be very good kind of reviewing kind of jobs. Oh, we, we were fated. We were fated. It was a wonderful experience. We've, we had some incredible incredible uh, honeymoon experiences even honeymoon though you're- <laughs> experience. And, and, and you know we had to go together for these honeymoon experiences yeah. just so it was, it was amazing and we, we, we enjoyed it greatly and um, yes there are some wonderful perks of being in travel media I think it would be very difficult right now with all of social media and trying yeah. to find that um that sorry no, that's all right. It's the, it's the advertising that would be hard these days, I think, because they don't have the money. That's right. And the industry has changed so much on the back of the pandemic. Um, exactly right. There'd be yeah, so much fear about, I, you know, I couldn't spend five grand unless you can guarantee me that I'm going to get, you know, enough customers to pay it all back. And, you, of course, you can't. That's right. And what's your engagement like on social media and how many followers do you have? And, how many and influencers? I, oh, I, I, this, I, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm terrible at. And B to C is I'm just awful at. I know that I, I've got to leave that to other people who are much better than me. I can do B to B sales really well. Yep. And I'm just awful, absolutely woeful at B to C. So um, that's, that's. <laughs> well, there's um, a learning experience. Okay. So yeah. you did the mag for a couple of years and that yes, didn't work yeah. out. What, what came next? 
Um, so, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be another sharp turn in a different direction. No, I think I think one, one of the, 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 the big things is that there was a period of really learning uh, and, 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 and being able to really understand the way that technology works. So my brother and I got involved uh, in, in co-founding an app called WaveChat, which was designed to be kind of events, so all the, you know, events around you as well as chat. So say, for example, you've got, and it probably sounds a bit redundant now with everything that was on, on Snapchat and everything, but you were able to, say, for example, set up an event, you know, do video invitations, people would be, were able to, you know, add content in real time to that to that event, so everyone would be able to see where what's happening at that event. You know, if, if you know, wow. be able to, and so we really loved the idea, and we were all in on it. Um, again, we built it, and I had to get to the B two C marketing style side Uh-oh. of things. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I did. I, I mean, this is how like, kind of naive you know, I can be sometimes. I went, okay, well, I know that like Tinder started off in co- you know American colleges, so I'm going to get a whole bunch of, of of young you know models and so forth to really start promoting this out in like one or two key universities in the US. Yeah. And so, you know, got the flyers, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was a complete bomb. Like, I'm going to just be completely honest. Like, I am just, I got to the point where I went, okay, you know, I, if I'm trying to get one person and then create a viral component from getting one, two, 100, 200 people and get what you need to have a, you know, a, a successful, you know, app, yeah. consumer app, I'm not that person. Like I'm, I'm just not. I'm, 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 I'm not by my nature an extrovert. I'm a total introvert. I don't know how that all works. I, you know, to have that virality that means something goes nuts and that everyone jumps. In. Yeah, like, I think if we all knew the secret to that one, there'd be a lot more of it. I tell yes. you what, I'm, what I'm interested in though, Emma, is when you are a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> when do you know that it's time to move on? When do you? How long do you give a business before you go nup? Because I mean, I know with my, I have a very, very hard time letting go. Um, but it is, there are, is a time when you've got to go, look, you know, I need to go and focus on something else. So how do you make that decision? It's usually a gut instinct for me. I think everything I do is gut instinct. Um, Something which tells me it's either go time or it's, clearly not working and so I would, also, would you I mean would you exit after six months would you give it a red hot go and go look this yeah, is just oh, not working yeah right? and we, okay. did, we did give it an absolutely red hot go and I realized at that point that the importance of marketing before <laughs> should your, never be your, underestimated hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, even getting PR I know you're the PR queen but you know we we tried so many different ways to to get some attention from uh, from the tech blogs and so forth and again it's just a really big challenge because unless yep. you're uh, somebody who's exited a big company and you're starting something new so they've got something to hang their hat on you know just a, a startup that's trying to do something you're one is, of tw- 250,000 or whatever it is every year yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the, and the journalists don't even respond to you, no. you know, and so it's like, okay. And so from there I actually developed, <laughs> you're going to laugh, you're going to think you are crazy. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Did, I think you're wonderful. <laughs> I developed something which was uh, essentially Canva for video. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and it was a pretty a pretty amazing product, let me tell you. You could pretty much do, yeah, had things like motion graphics you could drag and drop and so forth. And I was like, oh, my oh, God, why didn't oh, you keep that one going? I need that one. I know. Well, Canva's done, and I kind of knew Canva would get into video, and that was sort of one of the things that kind right. of kept me awake. And they have, but they haven't done motion graphics or the way that we did it. They've got some great, great options where you can turn it into a video. Uh, it's an amazing product. I use Canva daily. But I. Uh, and they haven't kind of gone as sophisticated as we did. And we did have quite a lot of users, you know. I, would I was going to say what happened with that one because that one, I mean, and even yeah. now feels like you should relaunch it because, you yes. know, it's the kind of thing that everyone needs. But what happened with that one? So we, we, we did get quite a lot of users uh, yeah. and, you know, I, I can remember putting it into some business groups on Facebook and just it would go, you know, you just kind of nuts. You'd put, you'd put you'd drop a video of what you could do with it um, and just a, a sample video. And people were, oh, my God, you know, I need to use this. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And it was free, so it was like, okay. And so I thought, right, we'll do this. I think where I got to with that was, okay, 
um, and this was when started caring life and we were doing right. at the same time. So we were going, doing caring life and caring life just took off on a yep. life of its own and that, that's the, 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 the system for children in out of home care. But I think we got to the point where it was like, we, you know, templates. Have to make a choice. Yeah, well, we had to create, like, people like the motion graphics, they like the opportunity, but people wanted templates. The way that Canva has done so well is that you don't need to feel like an artistic genius to do it. You just use a, a pre-existing template. Yeah, you, you choose something you like. That's right. And, and, and away you go and you feel great about yourself. So to get to that point where we had lots of different templates, I knew we were going to be competing with quite a lot of different apps and so forth yep. that did similar things. And I was like, I've put a lot of money into this so far. Do I want to continue doing this or do we want to put the money into Caring Life where we know it's making this huge social impact? And we, at that yep. time we would also just started fostering our, our children. Um, and so there was just a lot of time that was needed for them and for Caring Life. And, and I just went, you know what, I'm just going to bench it for the time being. Oh, good. And, uh, so it's not, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a, I'll come back to it and I don't know whether or not we will, um, but it's, Well, it's hard know, to know what else will come out in the meantime, but I'm glad that you didn't just say, right, that's the end of it. Um, would no, you sell it? Would you sell it? Is that part of the, you know, well, if anyone yeah, I mean, asked? Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, in some ways. Melanie Perkins, are you listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my my mum and dad said this has got some such amazing code base, and yeah. it was designed for a browser as much as it was designed for an app. And a lot of a lot of um, you know video creators are all just app based on your phone, and so it was like so you know you could just be on your on your browser and, and create these amazing motion motion graphics and, and you know drag and drop and 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 so um, she said why don't you see if Canva wants it? And I was like well you know. I just, I think probably fostering and, and all everything that happened at the same time, I was just like, I'm just going to leave it for the time yeah, and just yeah, see yeah. it come back. But, yeah. um, but here we are. So, um, wow. Well, I, what an incredible woman you are so far. <laughs> and I can only say so far because you've done so much in the last 20 years. I can barely begin to imagine what's going to happen. And I, obviously, caring life is going to be huge. But I, one, I, I sense that a time will come with you where you go, okay, that's now grown up and on its own, and I'm off to do another. Other things, so it'll be yeah, interesting um, to see what that is. Yeah, well, please, please, which is our zero party data platform, is something that I'm super yes. interested in. Oh, gosh, and making, yeah, making sure that that really is done amazingly and and really understanding, you know, at, at, at the lunch, the, the last, um, she's the boss lunch, you know, having some amazing conversations, you know, with how it can help the disability sector, how it can help people in HR to get psychographic data, um, you know, some really amazing and things that I didn't even think about, you know, I was like, I was looking at this from a purely, you know, you know, for companies, say, as an example, a, a travel company or a travel agent who wants to understand more about their customers and their preferences, they can use it, but then to understand that it can have impact on the disability sector and it can have, have you know, impact in so many different um, yeah. sectors, that's that's pretty amazing. So, Oh, it's going to be um, massive, Emma, absolutely massive. I am 100% sure. Okay, oh, now, so. <laughs> um, okay, now I've got some other little questions for you sure. um, yes. and we'll just rattle through them and yep. uh, if you can't think of an answer, that's absolutely fine. But yep. the first thing um, that I was going to ask, is because this is a podcast for women, about women, and I'm trying to make women more visible, particularly business women, I like to ask, are there any key women that have helped you in your career that you want to do a bit of a shout out for? Oh, absolutely. My mum, she has been amazing. She, I think she thinks I'm completely mad. In fact, I know she thinks I'm completely <laughs> mad all the time. Oh, no, I bet she, she thinks you're incredibly clever as well. Oh, she's, she has got the most amazing mind for information and the work that she's done to help, um, you know, when we were doing conferences as an example. And, you know, she can really get down into the most minute detail of, say, a policy document and extract where we need to go, how we need to present, oh, wow. you, know, you know. And so she she was just absolutely incredibly pivotal for, for that side of things. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I, she, she, she's, uh, she was also a journalist as well and, and um, you know, 
um, when we were growing up, she was the editor of Australian R&D Review, so looking at research and development across Australia, you know, all the latest discoveries and so forth. So really an amazing mind. Yeah. Um, she's, she's been an incredibly important um, Part of your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my dad had sort of all of the – big ideas and, and the entrepreneurial spark and, and, and was able to grow this, you know, this business and, and, and did an amazing job with that. And she was, she's just been, you know, an amazing, amazing mind. I don't think she's ever given herself credit for actually just, you know, first Oh, well, of all, I'm glad you did a shout out for her. What's her name? Just so that we. Can... Uh, her, her name is Ros Sterling and, and Ros she's Sterling. Yes. Right. Yes. And she's now at the age of 71 uh, parenting three young boys who uh, came into my parents' care. My, a friend of mine passed away at the end of 2020. Oh. And, um, they've she, taken on the kids. They've taken on the kids. So it's gorgeous. Extraordinary. Yes. Extraordinary. Wow. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> One of the other things I like to ask about is successes and failures and how you've learned, but I think we've probably covered that with some of what you've done. And thank you for sharing that because I think it makes a big difference for people to know that it's not all smooth sailing for everyone, you know, and that it's okay to have failures. You just move on, pick yourself up, dust you off your shoulders, and off you go on to the next little bit of a journey. I think um, one of the things that I've learned is um, from those failures is, first of all, I'm you know, and, and I have shed a lot of tears, trust me. Like, oh, I'm whatever. sure you have. <laughs> but, you know, over the years, the biggest thing that has motivated me is to do something that's, first of all, very impactful and, second of all, challenging. So I don't know. I think I, I asked before I was born to come into this world and just have challenges because when I'm not doing business challenges, Anthony and I are hiking and we're doing, you know, Everest Base Camp or, you know. Oh, my Lord. Kilimanjaro right. or, 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 um, so or challenges Dakota. really is your keyword. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Sometimes I wonder, you know, like why do I keep seeking these challenges out? Why don't I just take the easy path, you know? Because um, you're a problem think, solver. And I think I would just be incredibly bored and probably yeah. a real pain in people's butts, to be honest. I would just be frustrated and bored and going, well, what's the point of, you know, I'm just, I, I can't imagine life without sort of having some big, audacious, hairy goal to be to be after and, and um, that's what makes life exciting. Oh, I just love that about you. Okay, now when you have got two teenagers. Yes. Um, and a husband and two businesses yes. on the go just at the moment. Yes, How do you plus, plus, a, plus a 22 year, about to be 22-year-old uh, daughter. So, um, and a 22-year-old yes. daughter. Yes. So plenty yes. of things in your life. One mm. of the big things that I have noticed as I've interviewed probably 200 women now mm. is the number of them that have burnt out because they just didn't do the juggle very well and they worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. So I like to ask, how are you doing the juggle? How do you structure your week to have some time out or, or how do you take time out? Make sure you don't burn out. Well, I, I, am, I am certainly not the poster girl for, for work-life balance. I, oh, I don't I have suffered burnout and I and I, I think probably, you know, full adrenal fatigue and, and the whole shooting match. And I think particularly in lockdown, I, I really felt the burnout because there's the psychological pressures of, of everything else as well. Um, and, there was, I, and it was relentless too, the lockdown. I did feel so like I was working really hard, but you didn't really notice weekends and holidays or anything. You just kept working because yes. it all was so much the same and, and it was uh, it was trying to drown out the the fear I think. yeah you know, and keep I think busy there was so much fear that that kept coming into into sort of the media uh, and that I felt so I actually sort of disconnected myself from social media I disconnected myself from the news and I found I was so much happier when I was disconnected how long um, did you do that for oh two months Right. I just, I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to, you know. I, what, just I give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the lockdowns actually happened and Anthony, my husband, had to say, oh, guess what, we're in lockdown. And I was like, oh, God. Um, but I just needed I just needed to be away from, from sort of the external stuff, which yeah. I found was more debilitating than anything else. And there was so of- much there was so much fear and worry in social media as well with the post with mm. I mean that was why really I started doing online lunches for She's the Boss was the number of women I could see who were really spiraling and couldn't see a way out. Oh, I was definitely that. I can remember when the first lockdown was called and I was sitting in 
our living room and I switched the lights off and I just cried because I had this overwhelming sense that something has dramatically shifted here and that I had no control over this and it didn't make any sense to me and no. I just, I, nothing made sense. And, and that was that was how I felt right throughout was, you know, there's so many things, decisions being made that that are impacting so many lives. And, and just to bring this back into some of the work that we do, you know, things like domestic violence jumped uh, both in frequency and uh, severity by yeah. 80%. You know, so a lot of women, you know, particularly during curfews, were not aware that they could leave the house in the event of domestic violence. So there was just so many other things that happened. And, you know, I, I don't want to sort of be on whether or not it was the right thing to do or not. Everyone's got their own beliefs. But I just know what the other impact impacts was. were. And, mm. and there, that in terms of child protection, you know, that, that was a huge issue during the, during the, the pandemic. And I think for all of, of us, the thought of those people who are in domestic violence situations or child abuse to know that it is, there's no way out, like they were locked in for months okay. with those people yes. uh, was just yes. horrific. And looking at it from the the, mass, the male perspective, and I'm not saying that all domestic violence is male to female, but no. you know, a, 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 there's a significant proportion that are, um, that men didn't have an outlet, you know. No. So, you know, they didn't have the ability to go and talk to friends. They didn't have the ability to go to the gym to release, you know, frustration no. or to, you know, there wasn't um, – exits, um, you know, for them, which was really important. Um yeah, and, so, and I mean, yeah. so for, for men particularly, work is so much tied up for, for many of them with their identity that mm. um, it, it just added another level of frustration and that, you know, if you are somebody that can't control your emotions and you get super angry, then it's going to be much, much worse. Yes, I, I just feel like there was just so many different um Different facets to what everyone went through, much less, you know, yeah. you know, businesses closing, much less, you know, the, the loss of connection to family and friends, you know, elderly people not having access to their families during, you know, their final years and so forth. But there, there's a lot there. But in terms of work-life balance, it really felt for me, has felt like for me, um, one of the things that I have chosen to do now longer term is to work from home, especially with the kids. Yeah, um, right. And to say, okay, I'm taking them to school. I am picking them up from school and I am taking them to all of their sporting activities. Oh, well now, done. Yeah. Everything has to fit in around that. Now I'm very lucky. One of the key reasons that I don't want a boss is I don't want to have to ask for permission. Well, um, I always say you do have a boss, but it's a boss who completely understands you and lets you do what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> a really nice boss. <laughs> the only problem with this particular boss is that she's very good at imposing guilt. Right. And I impose guilt on myself. I can be literally sitting there going, I've just done a week's worth of work in, in four hours and because I'm really good at five in the morning, who knows why. My brain's firing and I'm yep. good to go by about one o'clock. I'm, I'm probably, probably literally kind of, you know, brain numb. But, um, but I will feel incredibly guilty if I'm not working or if I'm not doing, you know, if, I, if I'm relaxing. Right. Like I'm one of those people, like we're going to Bali in a few weeks, but I am one of those people, I cannot sit there and lie on a cabana and, and, and read a book and have a, have a pina colada and feel relaxed. I'm sitting there going after 20 minutes, I've got to be doing something, you know. So oh, I'm remind just, me never to go on holiday with you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> getting very drunk. I might be able to help with. So, do you take weekends to. as well? Do you say not weekends are not working, or is that just oh, too hard? Really do, yeah, no, it really depends. I mean, one of the critical things is that our kids both are obsessed with AFL football and, and are both very good players, and so they, they oh, right. play each Sunday. So we are always doing football during. The oh, football that's good. Season. Yeah. Um, well, it's good until you have to get up and go outside on a freezing cold rainy oh. day and watch bloody football, which is not my favourite thing, but I have done it a lot in my past. Oh, <laughs> God, it was freezing this past weekend. And oh, the gap goodness. that I see in the market is somebody needs to design coats that are heated or something. In fact, last 100%. weekend we came up with the idea of Ugg suits that you could actually create a whole suit out of lambskin and go out and use it for the footy and things like that. That would be amazing. Why has someone not done that? And then I don't know. Like, electric blanket coat as well. Like, oh. Yeah, that's right. It's when you're at the footy and, you, and it's freezing like that and you go, right, there is a big gap in the market here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I feel you. And especially, you know, with the wind, so the, 
the, their home ground is literally right on the beach and it's coming in howling and everyone is like unable to feel their faces. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're there for them. And, 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 and I know when those bloody games go on for so long, at least basketball's 40 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> when my boys, I know when my boys went to AFL, I was like, right. But anyway, I'm not a big sports person. Okay, we're nearly at the end now and we've almost yeah, sure. done an hour. So here's, a, here's one out of left field. Is there a quirky sure. fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing a quirky not that fact. you're not incredibly transparent anyway but uh, it can be anything it could oh. be that you know you can roll your tongue doesn't matter what it is oh, I definitely <laughs> do that I can very, I'm very good at raising one eyebrow um, <laughs> I can wiggle my ears as well oh wow we should start the show it's scalp muscle uh, control I don't quite know how, to, how I do it but I can do it <laughs> quirky fact about me um, oh God, you've got me on that one. I don't, I don't know if it's quirky or, um, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm a legitimately kind of oddball, to be honest. I think every, <laughs> everything about me, I think everyone kind of sits there and goes, yeah, well, I'm not quite sure. Oh, one of the things, you know, I, 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 um, I guess one of the things for me is that I've always, I'm so, I am a real introvert and I don't sort of, I mean, I love going to, you know, the events like the ones that you host and, and being able to chat with people, but then I've got to come back into my, my quiet zone and I get all of my energy from being quiet. Um, and so I guess one of the things that I do is I spend an inordinate amount of time talking in accents. So if I'm really? talking, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty That is good. so weird because my boyfriend and I, our favourite thing is putting on South African and Irish and Welsh and yes. English accents. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we do it on car trips and it's, it absolutely makes us laugh our heads off till the tears are flowing. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I, I've always kind of, I'm a massive Bill Hicks fan, so I can impersonate Bill Hicks. And I used to, Billy Birmingham and the 12th Man, I can recite most of you know, the 12th Man off by heart. That's but, a quirky um, fact in itself. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, my, my husband go. laughs. My husband laughs when I can, you know, recite the marvelous song. Um, but um, yeah, I think you know one of the things that happened when we when we first started fostering is that you know children who are uh, you know who are new to your family and and who need to sort of understand you know that you're lighthearted, that they're not in trouble, that you know that keeping things, you know, allowing them to feel safe. Yeah. The easiest way I could find was to start talking in accents and then the, the kids relax, then they start laughing. <laughs> yes, then, of then, course. Then so what's your favourite accent? Oh, God. I, I, I spend a lot of time in American accents, to be honest. It's, it's a bit embarrassing. Well so, like, do, well, so do I. But then when I went to America, I was in LA and I thought I'm going to put on my American accent and they all believed me and it felt really wrong. It felt <laughs> weird that they weren't all laughing at me. <laughs> I have a, we have one where um, we started speaking in South African accents all the time and then I did a Zoom call with someone at the end of last year and she was South African and I couldn't help it. I went straight into the accent. <laughs> And then I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not actually joking at you. It's just popping out this way. <laughs> I have done that so often, particularly with English people. I sound like I'm setting them up. I'm like, I'm not. I'm no. just, I can't help myself. I'm so sorry. And I love it with sorry. Irish accents as well. I'm always kind of popping into that one. And, and when I go to Ireland, all my rallies are over there and they go, would you stop with that fake Irish accent? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so it is. Okay, last so, question is about sure. apps on your phone. It's apropos of nothing really to do with She's the Boss, other than I am absolutely obsessed with my phone and I love hearing about new clever apps. So I'm not looking for, you know, that you use um, social media and banking and things, but I'm yeah, just interested. Yeah. Have you got any fun, quirky apps that you either use for business or pleasure that you want to share? Oh, I don't think I do, honestly. You're not a phone I, person. I, I, I'm not a phone person. No, that's um, fine. You know, when, when, when the, the, the uh, um, most impressive 
thing that I've got is like masterclass. I don't think it's quirky. So, yeah. I don't know. What, what does masterclass do? I haven't heard of that oh, one. Oh, masterclass. You would love masterclass. Masterclass is the top people in the world. And it might be Anna Wintour. It might be, um, you know, Sarah Blakely. And they present these video masterclasses on, uh, you know, for A topic. Oh, yeah, for Anna, it's, it's fashion. For Sarah Blakely, it's entrepreneurship. Um, you know, wow. I go from Disney on, on his journey with Disney, and it is amazing. Oh, um, I'm going to get that one. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. It's, I, I mean, it's, it's not cheap to get it. You've got a yearly subscription to it, but there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 200 people that are at the top of their game and it's kind of expert masterclasses in various subjects. So you can be across art. You can, there's one on dog training. There's one on poetry. There's one on being a director, a film director. So it's, it's lots of different kind of, yeah, um, amazing. you know, yeah, different things. And um, I do have a small obsession with Bob Iger. His voice is just amazing. Why do like I know the name Bob Iger? What does he do? He, so he, he's the, now the chairman, but he used to be the CEO of Disney. Right. Um, so, and it's his journey on how they, you know, acquired Marvel, his, his relationship with Steve Jobs and getting Pixar and building that trust with Steve Jobs. And, you know, he's just said, like, and he's just got this incredibly uh, calm demeanor and he's just, oh, he's amazing. Ah, oh, that sounds really good. I've just realised Vanity Fair, which I, which is my guilty pleasure, and I still subscribe ah, to. Yes, yes, often I do. does interviews and um, does stories around people like that. And I think there was a big one on Bob Iger a couple of years ago. Now yes. that you mention it, well, Emma, yes. I don't even know. I could keep talking to you for about another three hours, but <laughs> we probably will bore everyone stupid. So, yes. can you please tell everyone what is the best way if they wanted to get hold of you to find out more about? Um, the two yes, I've got. Sure. I've forgotten. My, what's the yes. what's the my so care? Pleased, so, so it's caring life is out caring of life. Platform. Yep. Yep. For children in out of home care and pleased, which is p l e z e d dot com, um, is that coming zero soon? Party, yeah, coming soon. Our new zero party data platform. So, um, if you do want to reach out and have a chat about anything, um, please feel free to email me at emma at caringlife dot com. Um, and yeah, it's, great. Uh, Well, I am very much looking forward to seeing Caring Life go ballistic, which I have no doubt it will. And I can't wait to start reading some stories about it in the media, Emma. Um, And and Pleasy, which is obviously, or Please, is going to go insane once people realise what we're up against. So congratulations. You're extraordinary. And thank you so much for doing this interview. Well, thanks so much for having me, Jules. My absolute pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.